Thank you, Andy. And good morning. So here we are. It is the 21st of February, which means we have one week left in the month of Feb. Also, we're supposed to hear details very soon on the government's plans for our way out of this current lockdown. So slowly but surely, folks, we are getting through the winter months. And this series that we're currently working through at King's has been such a great blessing for me. I don't know about you and a huge help at this time because recently I've really struggled. In the middle of January, our household got covid Yes, it was me. I was patient zero, the super spreader, and it worked its way through the household. So we were in isolation for what felt like forever, weeks and weeks. It's like being inside the big brother house. The problem is you can't evict anyone. Oh, yes. And then let's throw in the mix the joy of homeschooling. What a delight. So 2021 has proved to be pretty challenging so far for many of us. And today we're going to focus on an aspect of life that has been seriously hit due to COVID-19. Relationships, our relational well-being. Many say this has been one of the toughest aspects of the pandemic, not being able to physically see loved ones, family and friends and colleagues. Zoom, Teams, FaceTime, whatever means you're using, it isn't the same, especially when you've got a dodgy internet connection or your whole family are using the Wi-Fi. So how do we maintain relational well-being? If you've been following this series at King's, and some of you I know are also going through this in small groups in more detail, you're studying this, you will know that we have been focusing on Elijah in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, that part of his story. And this is when Elijah is on the run and he has hit rock bottom so hard that he says, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And at this point, he is alone. There is no one there with him to speak into this moment when he is so downcast. There's no one there to be present with him, to give him a hug and say, Elijah, it's going to be all right. It will get better in the end. And he's not just having a pity party here. He had very good reason to be on the run. There was a serious death threat out for him from Jezebel, who was the queen at the time. And she really, in the, in the background, she was calling the shots. And she was enraged with Elijah, who'd just killed all the prophets of Baal. These were the prophets who would say everything that Jezebel wanted to hear. So she wanted revenge. And for that, it was execution of Elijah. So Elijah is feeling threatened, frightened and very low. Plus, he is physically exhausted, hungry and alone. And for those of you who've got a copy of God's Plan for Your Well-Being by Dave Smith, which is the book that small groups are currently reading through and also members of Kings, you might be reading it as well if you've got your e-copy, then you will come across these interesting facts that apparently the human brain, more than that of any other species, is designed for relationships. So much so that some neuroscientists have called it the social organ. 
So then it's no surprise that researchers have found that the factor distinguishing the happiest 10% of people from everyone else was the strength of their social relationships. As I mentioned, Elijah here is very much alone and God, seeing his need, sent an angel. So there was someone physically present who not only spoke to Elijah, but he touched him. God is so good and he's so keenly aware of our needs. He made us after all, so he knows how we are wired. Which is why in Genesis 2, it says, The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who can help him. A film I saw some years ago illustrates this point really well. It's called Castaway, starring Tom Hanks, where after a deadly plane crash, the character Chuck Nolan finds himself marooned on an uninhabited island. And the film tells the story of his desperate attempts to survive and return home. The isolation and loneliness is something that he desperately struggles with. And his way of tackling this was to create Wilson. Now, Wilson is a football and he puts some eyes on him, draws a nose and a mouth. He creates hair so he looks like a person. And he talks to Wilson. Over time, this football becomes like a close friend and a companion. So this clip we're going to show you now shows the moment when the two are parted. This is when Chuck Nolan is trying to get back home on a raft. Wilson! It's a really good film and it drives home the point uh, that God says that it's not good for man to be alone. In fact, a scientific study has concluded loneliness and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and it can, can increase your risk of death by as much as 29%. And yet many of us have felt so alone in the last year, and especially for those of you who live alone anyway, not being able to meet with others makes things even harder. And when you do meet with people, then there's the whole rigmarole of social distancing, wearing a face mask. It just feels really abnormal. And not being able to meet on a Sunday as a church family as well, um, not being able to greet each other, give each other a hug, sing songs. It has been a very unusual and tough time. So what can we do to make sure our relational well-being 
is good despite all of this? Well, the Bible tells us an awful lot on this subject. There is so much in there. And one thing that becomes clear as you read about different relationships in the Bible is that we have to be intentional about our relationships if they're going to go well. And all the more so during this unprecedented time. The Bible teaches that not only is relational connectivity God's idea, but God himself is a relational being. The Christian doctrine of the Trinity shows there is one God externally existing in the three persons of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And at the heart of this divine community is eternal love. Since God is at his core a relational being, so are we. And Jesus' example in the New Testament takes this further. When you study those few years before his crucifixion, you can see how intentional he was about relationships. His number one priority was his connection to his heavenly father, the Holy Spirit, that divine community. It says often that he went to a solitary place for that vital time of communion with his father and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Before he started his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert, fasting and seeking where he was tempted by the devil. His relational well-being during that time would have been hugely challenged. He was physically alone, hungry, with an onslaught from the enemy desperately looking to trick him. Jesus' relationship with his father, that connection, that confidence in who he is, would have been absolutely vital at that time. And so it is for us, as Neil very clearly uh, told us last week when he was talking about spiritual well-being. And you can see Neil's preach and the other ones in this series on our website when you wish to watch them. The last time I spoke at King's was just before Christmas. And I talked about the simplicity of just being with him and how critical that's going to be during this season. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. And we need to be really intentional about this relationship, first and foremost, if our other relationships are going to be healthy and a blessing. So just a practical thing that I wanted to share today um, is when I spend time with Jesus alone, I speak a lot in tongues. This is a heavenly language that is a free gift from the Holy Spirit. After the crucifixion, the last time Jesus appeared to the disciples before he went to heaven, he told them very clearly, wait. In Acts 1 verse 4, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, they were. And this has become known as the day of Pentecost, when all those gathered were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And what an amazing experience. I'm telling you, this is one of those moments when I often think, wow, I would love to have been there. It would have been incredible. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then do ask someone. After each Sunday service that we're watching now online, there are people available to pray with you. So that's one way you can ask. Or you can just ask Jesus where you are. He is so wanting to bless you with the amazing free gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just invite the Holy Spirit. So when I'm alone in prayer, 
I start by speaking in tongues a lot. It, it lifts me out of my world. It focuses my mind on him. And I get his perspective on all sorts of things. And often I'm just spilling over in worship because the Holy Spirit's just taking over. And it is a wonderful way to fellowship with the Father. So that is my tip when alone in prayer. Speak in tongues. Lift him up with that heavenly language. Even if you're feeling flat and you think you've got nothing to give or you might be in a really difficult place, you might be in turmoil about what's going on. But just speaking in tongues is even better in that situation because it's just a wonderful way of taking you on a journey in your walk with him. So what about our relationships with others? How do we do this well and and make sure they're healthy? Again, Jesus is a great example. And of course, we cannot expect to have the same level of relationships with everyone. Jesus illustrates this really well. As you read the Gospels, you can see how he intentionally makes sure he has the relationships that he needs that will enable him to be the best in his ministry but also a blessing to all those around him. Jesus had those he was particularly close to among the disciples, that was Peter, James and John. And he called on the three of them in one of his biggest moments of need, when in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26 verse 38, he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He also took those three to the high moment of the mountain of transfiguration. And when it comes to very close friendships, there was also the family of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. They were very close to Jesus as well. So those friendships are critical, that type of close friendship for our well-being, the people that we can share intimately with be vulnerable before and know that we are in a safe place. And it's important we all have close friendships like this. We we need people we can be really real with, honest, and know they love us unconditionally. For me, friendships that I made in my small group grew to that level, which has just been such a blessing ever since. These are the people that I go to for counsel for wisdom. Um, I know they're going to tell me the truth, even when it's something I don't want to hear. Also, they're great company. I just love hanging out with them, doing social things with them. You know, they're friends. I know I can knock on their door anytime and I'm very, very welcome. And, and they're a real blessing to me, but also my, my household as well. So Jesus had his core of close friends. Then there was the 12 disciples, the ones who shared in Jesus's ministry. So these include Peter, James and John, but also uh, the 12. They were good friends as well. They're they're not just colleagues as such, but those uh, who Jesus would choose to relax with, to hang out with, to share life with. And then it talks about a wider group of leaders that Jesus Jesus shared ministry with. And of course, there were the crowds that he would minister to. And often these were several hundred, if if not thousands. So there are different levels of relationship with different expectations, pleasures and demands. And a key is getting the balance right. And that's not easy, is it? I'm sure if we're all honest, many of us struggle with, with getting the balance right. So how many times have we seen, for example, a marriage under pressure 
because the balance isn't right and priorities are skewed. And we can be too good, can't we? I, th- I think anyway, personally, at neglecting those closest to us because we have overcommitted to the crowd or the team or even our church. Not to mention, of course, devices, social media, and the time that takes in terms of our commitment and what we do with our time. And as I said, Jesus was very intentional about his relationships. And it it wasn't just about going with the flow and responding to whoever shouted loudest. Plus, his priority always was the Father and Holy Spirit, the divine community from which everything else flowed. So making sure we've got the right balance is critical to maintaining relational well-being with all. And the church family is a great place to build all kinds of relationships. God is so good. He knows we need community. And that is why we have church. And many of us are not a part of a close, healthy, nuclear family. And that's where the family of God comes in. And as I've already mentioned, for me, my church family has proved vital and such a blessing to me and the household. But what about when things go wrong? Sometimes relationships can feel like a minefield with IEDs all over the place. I remember feeling a bit like this when I was in my teens and my early 20s trying to navigate and figure out relationships. It can be very distressing when we lose friendships or we feel betrayed, especially if it's by those who we regard as our core friends. If we've had a bad experience, we may choose to withdraw or avoid relationships altogether for fear of being hurt or investing time and energy in a relationship only to find that our trust has been misplaced. It's scary, isn't it? It's a risk. But this is where we have to trust our father. If we are invested in that most important relationship, our relationship with him, then we can trust him, surely, in our relationships with others, where we feel we've been wronged or we've made mistakes and we've hurt others. We can take it to the Lord in prayer, listen, and then follow his wisdom. Allow him to do healing as well. Some relationships may be ones we need to call an end to. Abusive relationships, that's when our core friendships are so vital People who are alongside us to give us good counsel, support us and walk with us through those really tough experiences. So when Jesus was in desperate need, we've already mentioned that the Garden of Gethsemane moment, he he called on his close friends, Peter, James and John. Jesus knows what we need. He has been there. For example, he was betrayed, wasn't he, by one of the 12, Judas. He knows what that feels like. And the Bible is riddled with stories of relationships that have gone wrong, some with terrible and tragic consequences. One of the most famous is now a fabulous West End musical, the story of Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. And this is the great story to read in full and really chew on to gain from it all sorts about the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to relationships. In this story, you've got uh, the father Jacob, who has his favourite son, that is Joseph, who at the time and in his immaturity is wallowing in the favouritism and rubbing his brother's nose in it. 
Then there are the brothers who are green with envy and jealousy and they hatch a plan to get rid of Joseph. Joseph was sold to slave traders, thrown into prison, but eventually ends up as ruler of Egypt, which is a master plan that rescue God's people from famine. Now that's a whistle-stop tour of a great story that is definitely worth studying in detail because it is so, so rich with wisdom. Uh, And when it comes to relational well-being, it can teach us so much. And the aspects I'd like to highlight today is the importance for forgiveness and reconciliation. Joseph went on a long journey from the young man who was sold out by his brothers to becoming the prime minister of Egypt. On that journey, we learn how suffering no matter how unjust, can develop strong character and deep wisdom. He was a man who was able to forgive his brothers despite all they had done to him. That then led to reconciliation, to a very broken family and healing. And the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of forgiveness. And if we are to enjoy relational well-being, we have to prioritise this too. Right at the heart of the Lord's Prayer is the phrase, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. In Ephesians 4 from verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is another example of where the Bible is packed with wisdom to aid our well-being, as studies show that forgiveness improves our mental health, but also our relational quality and can boost our self-esteem. It's not easy, though, but it is something we should be intentional about, and it could be the key to relational restoration. But this can be a very tough journey, depending on who and why we need to forgive. It's something we may need help with, but truly being able to forgive will then hopefully lead to reconciliation, as was seen in Joseph's family. This is something our Father in heaven is very passionate about, so much so that his one and only Son died on a cross for us, forgiving all our sins that we might know and enjoy reconciliation and a relationship with him. There are times when we have to weather relational storms, but when we are prepared to persistently love, forgive and commit to working things out, we're not only being Christ, like Christ, should I say, but also strengthening our relational well-being and benefiting all. Relational well-being is a lifetime commitment and it is something that we should be intentional about. So how about you give it some thought today, some prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you about this today. So do give it some thought, do give it some time. And as I mentioned earlier as well, there are people available online right here at King's at the end of this service who can pray with you. Because for some of you, the relationship journey you've been on may have been something that was very difficult and very damaging, and therefore you might need help. So thank you so much for listening today. God bless you all, and I'll see you again soon.